welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. I'm here with two fire friends. Uh, well, kind of. I'm with uh, Ash. Hello. And I'm with Scott. Hey. Scott is uh, way down the lower mainland uh, working, um, doing some training. So uh, the background might be a little bit different, but uh, he's working away hard <laughs> in the hotel. I'm not working in the hotel. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, we have uh, want to wish everybody a happy new year. Um, we took a little bit of a break over um, the Christmas uh, New Year's holidays there, which is well needed. So, But we are back now. So thank you, everybody, for your patience. Um, had a couple of events here. So let's talk about a uh, pretty decent structure fire you guys had um, just uh, the other week. So who wants to take a lead on that one to start? And if you want. Yeah, it was our last one of the year, um, literally, because it was on uh, New Year's New Year's Eve Eve. No, New Year's Eve morning. Yes. Yeah. 2.30 so New Year's Eve. Yeah, about 2.30 New Year's Eve in the morning, like, before the big event, <laughs> before the big New Year's party. No, um, yeah, so it was, uh, came in as a single call of a, a fire coming out of our roof. I think that's how it came in, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And usually when the single call, like, I was like, mm, I get out of bed, I'm like, mm, I'm kind of mumbling to myself. There's probably going to be nothing. <laughs> My clothes on. Started heading down to the hall. Um, actually, at first, I got there. No one else was there. And, you know, I was going pretty I was going pretty quick. I was like, did I dream that? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> and then guys start rolling in. And, um, and then one of our members who lives out near there um he got on the radio because he actually carries a radio with him because so, on either end of our district because our district's so big we have a couple of senior members of radios um he radioed in that something was burning down there he could see it um so that's kind of so now that now you know tweaks tweaks our interest um get getting in the truck and then uh dispatch updated that uh, a second call came in that fire was pushing out of our house second floor of a house so yeah, so now we knew we, we had something. Um, so we rolled a new engine. Uh, this is actually the first fire that our new engine uh, rolled on. Like, a f- Sorry, first structure fire that our new engine yeah. rolled on. Um, so it was good. Um, had a good pump operator with actually one of our captains was pump operator, Rob. He's been on here a lot. Um, yeah, we got a size up from the duty officer that arrived. Um, went to the 360. Noted that there was fire pushing out of the uh, alpha side of the building. Um, it was coming out of like, uh, it was kind of an odd building. It ended up being very odd because it was like, I think we ended up finding like 10 to 12 bedrooms in it. So old heritage house, um, basement, probably had, I want to say three or four bedrooms in it. Ash, what do you think? Three or four? Yeah, I would say, yeah. well, there was three on the one side. Yeah, it it had to be four, three on the one side, and then the fourth on the like the delta. Um, right. Yeah. And then the uh, next floor, the so the main floor had I think another three or four plus the living room and kitchen, and then the top floor had been renovated several times, and it and it had another um, three or four. So um, ultimately, a lot of bedrooms. It was a, a farm worker's house, so um, you know they. It's kind of almost like a boarding house. Um, almost like a ranch house, I guess, kind of like uh, you know, Yellowstone there, but not really like it's, you know, it's like a, it's an actual house, not a big bunk house, but um, so. This is a, it's a pretty 
large, decent sized heritage house too, though, right? Like, yeah, a lot of people think of a heritage house as this the small box, but this was no. kind of a little more. I don't know, you'd call it a classier heritage house. Like, um, yeah, it was definitely a big one. Like, yeah, uh, and it had been renovated several times that we mm-hmm. found out later because you know we'd find these weird void spaces and different building instruction from what we just were in and. You know, some some had lath and plaster, some had sawdust for insulation, some had um like I don't know if there was any blow in insulation. There was definitely some uh vermiculite insulation and there was also some like regular old um like pink insulation. Um mm-hmm. I'm blanking on it, what is it? <laughs> it's been a long day. The pink stuff. <laughs> just insulation. Yeah. <laughs> what? Just basic insulation. Yeah, basic mm-hmm. insulation. Fiberglass. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you. We're not helping me at all. <laughs> um, so anyways, we arrived on scene. Um, hydrant was nearby, which was good, um, but it was it would have been a reverse lay for the second do. Um, when we first were starting to roll, um, Ash rolled in actually right behind us, and knowing where we were going and not knowing exactly where we were going because not seeing if there was a hydrant nearby, um, I actually called him maybe bring the tender first because... Um, knowing on the truck, like we had our, the, the new truck can pump a fire with one truck. Like we don't need two trucks there. We need, what, what we do need is probably water. So, um, so Ash and, and, and one of our other members came in the tender, um, but they were able to, to catch the hydrant pretty easily. Cause it was only hundred feet away. Maybe how many lengths? Yeah. We ended up dropping all in all four, four lengths to catch the hydrant. Um, but that was like, we probably could have stretched three. So 150 right. feet. Uh, but we did drop four four lengths on on the ground, hooked it up right off the the uh, rear suction, which is great on that truck. Um, and we just manually pulled it from from the truck down to the hydrant. It was it was pretty quick. Right. Um, when when we got on scene, you guys were just getting prepped uh, to go inside. We ended up figuring out um, uh, the truck was already flowing some water. You guys had the two and a half off. I think you had an inch and a half hand line off already. Uh, so knowing that you guys were flowing water, we wanted to, you know, double time and get that water, that, uh, water source secured. Right. Yeah. Original call was, uh, we're going to flow two and a half, uh, for, to knock it down because it was going pretty good in the roof line and in that attic space, um, knock it down and then hit it with an inch and a half and then, uh, get ready for the interior attack just because there was so many, be- well, we found out later there was so many bedrooms, but it was such a big house mm-hmm. and there was a couple of cars. There was a big van on the, um, Charlie side of the house. So we weren't sure if anyone's inside, of course. So we, we you know, we have to, yeah, until you, you have to check until you're sure. So we pushed, we started our push on the Bravo side. Um, three of us, Kevin on the, on the hose line, on the uh, nozzle. And then, uh, Josiah was actually a backup person, backup slash searcher. And then I was, uh, I was the captain third person in, and then we had left one of our members outside and he was running the exterior water application with the two and a half. Um, so that was our four person truck. plus our driver, of course, running the truck. And then, uh, then you guys, and then the second truck arrived, I think while we were mid push or we mid search. So, um, yeah, we got through nice. Like it was really quick. Like the, those guys are really awesome. Um, when we opened the first, opened the door, smoke level was pretty low, but as soon as we kind of opened it, it kind of vented out a bit. Um, and then uh, searched the first room we found, which was the the room we actually opened was in, was a it was almost like a master bedroom. Searched that, checked under the bed, closets, um, pushed through the, into the next room, uh, which was the hallway. 
pushed down the hallway. Um, Kevin, the nozzle operator, right? like we were communicating back and forth like crazy. Um, he was, he called to me that, uh, he could see fire, um, coming through the floor, which was in the kitchen, which is kind of around the corner where I couldn't see because I was, I was probably, you know, eight feet behind him, but I could hear him saying fire, um, coming up from the floor. And when we first went in, as we were going by the window, I looked, I could see in the basement a glow. So right away I'm like, okay, is this, is this a basement fire? Cause basement fire, I'm very like leery about, cause you know, mm-hmm. we don't know how long it's been burning for, how compromised the floor was. So as we're going, uh, we were all sounding as we're going. Um, and I was looking at, it was one of the, it was some of those old, um, like lattice, um, vents, like floor vents. Mm-hmm. And typically those, they, they either push fire or lots of smoke if there's a basement fire. So I was, every time we'd pass one of those, I'd look and there was nothing coming up from them. So I'm like, okay, that's a good sign. <laughs> and, um, we ended up getting, uh, Kevin got as far as the kitchen and, I, we're not so not sure what I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I've been gone for a few days, but uh, it looks like whatever was burning on the kitchen had fallen through to the floor, to the basement. So whatever yeah. it was a stove or something, I don't know what it was. Um, so that whole floor collapsed into the basement and that's what was co- looking like it was a basement fire, but it was actually just us, uh, the kitchen floor collapsed into the basement. Um, so we got into the, I think we ended up searching one or two bedrooms and then uh, as we're pulling down the hallway, um, kind of heard a rumble and the bedroom that, uh, Josiah just searched the, the ceiling and some of the roof started collapsing. So I was like, mm, I'm kind of not sure about the structural integrity now. So, uh, I, I grabbed the guys and I said, let's get out. So we, we pulled out, got back outside, um, reorganized ourselves because we knew we had at least one more bedroom because we could see a bedroom down the hallway. Um, we knew we had one more bedroom to search on the main floor. So we, uh, Reorganized, got the VAS ladder from the engine 181. Um, that thing worked great. And then uh, the guys went in, VIS to one room, and popped back out. So found nobody on that on those floors, on that floor. Um, did a quick basement search, because the basement, uh, we, after we realized it wasn't involved, we just we pushed in the basement. Um, no smoke in there, I don't think at all. Everything was going straight up. Uh, did a really thorough basement check. Fairly thorough. And then pulled back out of there. So basically two floors were done. So like seven or eight bedrooms searched in a matter of minutes. And then uh, our RIT, the grant who was running a RIT actually came around and uh, he told me he found a good access on the um, on the Delta side. So again, we reorganized our thoughts and our, our plan with the, with the command and then uh, extended our lines a little bit and pushed in from the Delta side. Um, ended up making a big push down the hallway now that we realized the uh, integrity of the structure was okay where we were going because just because of those old houses we you know you can tell kind of where you where it's safe so we we pushed back down the hallway ended up going exactly where we we pulled out from and realizing there was a staircase there that goes up so um the guys pushed up the stairs we used a bump up method so we had one member on the bottom uh pushing hose up um i went up the stairs with um with the tack team and uh, it's funny because Grant was on the nozzle, so he's he's actually on the landing uh, in the in the attic. And by attic, it's not like an attic; it's like it's like an attic with four bedrooms in it. So it was like it's not like an attic, cramped attic. It was you know a full stairwell that went up to the. It's basically a, a whole second floor. Yeah, it was like lofted it. ceilings, kind of right yeah. in the middle. Um, so yeah, there was like full living space up there with another grouping of uh, bedrooms. Yeah, so it was. 
full rock up there. Like when I ran up there, uh, Kevin had the thermal camera and I could see in the thermal camera, it was basically all thermal. <laughs> like it's all red. It was like, so Grant said it's pretty hot. So I kind of poked my head up there with him. I'm like, yeah, like that, you know, it was one of those, one of those fires where you, you notice where you didn't, where you, where you had some openings in your mask <laughs> or not in your mask where your belly clavin wasn't necessarily pulled as far as it should have been, or it shifted while I was moving. Right. Cause um, I could feel my, I could feel the back of my neck a little bit. And, um, and it's, it's kind of a stupid thing on my part is um, I had transitioned because when we went outside of the second time, I pulled my, my structural firefighting gloves off. I put my modus extrication gloves on because I was moving hose and grabbing tools and stuff not thinking we were going to do another push. And then we did this other push and I'm thinking, okay, so I get up there and then I realize as I'm already like on the stairwell going in, I'm like, Oh shit, wrong gloves for this. And yeah, they, I felt, I definitely felt the heat through them. Like I, I wouldn't say they were melting, but I felt like, you, you know, they definitely wasn't structural gloves. So I kind of pushed back down. Um, and as soon as I got below the thermal layer, like I got back down the stairwell, it was, it was cool again. So I, I, fl- I quickly flopped my gloves and switched them out. And then went back up with the guys. But yeah, we hit that pretty hard. Um, yeah, knocked some ceiling down. Um, all in all, I think it really only took us about half an hour, forty-five minutes to actually yep. get the knock on it. Like to, to call it was um, to call we were in mop up struck. Yeah, but then well, yeah, but then any, but then with any of these houses, but then it wasn't. Like, <laughs> well, it was. You know, I would say it was in mop up, but it was like with any of these houses, there's like little fire, little spot fires catch and then things get in the attic. And like, I was never at any time after we used to call mop up was concerned about it going full bore again, but it was definitely like, yeah, there was parts where it was like, okay, it's in this void space now. It's in this void space now. All kind of little shitty fires. And we kept finding new interesting places where it was hiding and end up being what? 10, 11 hours altogether. By the time we were, we yeah. had it fully knocked down, like fully mopped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you guys did so much work in rapid succession. <laughs> you know, from the first uh, time you made entrance on the Charlie, and then when we switched gears, and there was a lot of support coming in on the outside of the structure as well, which is really cool. And like, we didn't have our like normal full complement of firefighters either. Like, that's one thing. Like, we if we got a structure fire we can bank on getting 20 to 25 guys and, you know, gals there. We did the whole thing with 12 firefighters and two, two people in command. Yeah. So there's people like up at the local ski hill, they're out of town visiting family, blah, blah, blah. They, you know, sick, whatever there's, there's like, I would say probably half a dozen or more people that like you can generally pretty much rely upon. Um, over the course of yeah. a weekend or whatever for those evening calls. Um, yeah, they just weren't here. So it was yeah. pr- pretty skinny. We, we, we put in a secondary page for extra support. Uh, didn't get anybody. <laughs> uh, and then put in also, I think at the same, same time, um, a call out for mutual aid for uh, uh, Todd's department. And those guys came up and they helped us out with uh, RIT which is really good. Uh, freed up a couple of our guys. And then actually, yeah, uh, freed up Rob so he could come and pack up. Rob and I worked, worked together on the inside for a bit. Um, I think once you guys came out, uh, Mauricio and myself went in and we took over upstairs. Um, just a, a bit more of that overhaul and, and mop up. Um, 
And like Scott was saying, I, I don't know if it's like the insulation, like the sawdust or whatever. Um, we would action a space. We would move on to the next and then kind of have to go, go back as a small ember or whatever started to flare, flare up again. Um, so for like probably like five minutes, I just sat up upstairs with uh, Mauricio. I'm like, hey, like, let's just stop working and observe what's all happening. We still had our PPV going downstairs, so uh, which is great. So it kept everything. I mean, by by that time, that the majority of the thermal had been knocked down. Um, our visibility was amazing, and with that introduction of you know fresh fresh air coming in, if there is an ember somewhere, it's going to flare up. So we just sat there and observed and kind of let a couple of little small, small spots build so we could go and actually attack it rather than trying, trying to chase small little like wisps of smoke here and there. Right. It made it really effective. Like, hey, let's, let's not over exert ourselves trying to find like, are, are, are we chasing smoke? Are we like, like, what are we doing? Um, and that, that worked out, you know, really, really well. Uh, and then Mauricio, uh, his, his bell started to, to go off, he was getting low on air. Some somebody else was tagging him directly behind them. Uh, oh, I think that's when maybe Rob came in. So he went out. Rob came in. Rob and I finished up upstairs uh, and then bumped bumped ourselves out. And I think by by that time, um, like you and I ended up going back in the basement for uh, secondary search because one of the people uh, that lives kind of adjacent to the property property was telling us that there are people that live there we weren't sure the first report was there was no one living there at the moment uh which is semi-true um after speaking with the property rep the next day uh chief got the full the full report so uh the full basement uh was lived in by um farm workers like they're they live here 12 months out of the year um and the main floor and upstairs was a air Airbnb actually. So oh. all of all of the um all of the furnishings inside were era specific. So that was actually a, a pretty big bonus to us. I think other than some of the appliances, but like all of the couches were like old, you know, the reupholster. We had a legacy home fire. It was a true legacy Ooh. home fire, yeah. So yeah. and I like now what, looking what back on it. Know- that could attest for why I, I was just going to say, I didn't know this until you just told me that well, I was mm-hmm. going to say, I could see like, I could, that was one of the fires, how structure fire I've ever pushed in on where I could see yeah. most of the search. Like we could, like we were letting the fire be our light, but mm-hmm. there was really not a lot of black smoke that was yeah. cut, like, you know, normally it's like down low or crawling or trying to find this thing. And I could see Josiah searching the, the room with his thermal camera. I could see him the whole time because we were using yeah. some of the light from the fire that was burning up the closet. But it was also the fact that evidently it was all legacy shit burning. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and that definitely benefits, right? That legacy stuff takes forever to start fully igniting. If it was a traditional uh, home, you know, you're going to be in full rock on that first floor pretty pretty quickly, right? Yeah, Yeah, that absolutely would have been a much much different story. And like Scott was mentioning, once we transitioned to entering from the Delta, which would have been the original Alpha side, um, when that home was built, like the driveway would have come in straight off the highway rather than yeah. come, coming around the side. Like that was the old entrance to the structure. 
it was like so many of those rooms were closed, which is a tech, you know, is a huge thing to making sure if you're leaving, let's shut, shut those doors. Um, those doors were obviously a lot thicker than like the cheap Rona doors that we all have in our homes, but, um, having those rooms closed, um, going in there afterwards, I mean, even all the way down the hallway, right at the entrance on the Delta side there, like it was a fully furnished living room that other than smoke damage, like it, it looked great. There was like so many things were untouched. You go down in the basement right. and doors were closed. Um, we actually, some of the the people that lived there, um, uh, they're of East, East Indian descent, and they've got their immigration papers that they were super, super worried about. Um, so they approached us and said, hey, like, can you go in and get them? Uh, so Rob and myself went in, and like, we were just grabbing stuff out of filing cabinets and blah, blah, blah for them, and they were mint shape so like we were grabbing clothes for them because now they have you know nowhere to live they're like we actually were living across the street for their boss while they were away and like they were away vac- vacationing i think in like mexico or something so they oh. were across the street and they're like man like we've got clothes packed so we can come and grab them can you grab them for us yeah sure so we cruise in there and yeah like there was a, some some definite water damage in like the basement yeah. level like three feet of water all that. yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was, a, Which that was is, a pretty big swimming pool in that basement. It was huge. And by the next day, it was gone. So when the investigator went out there, like the following day, like, so yeah. the first, um, the investigator came came down and Chief went out there with him. And he said, yeah, they walked through through the basement and it was dry. Like, damn. But there, there was no standing water. Um, but uh, yeah, like we opened up the one filing cabinet. There's a, three drawers and the bottom drawer was like junk. The top drawer was whatever, and the middle one was where they where they had everything of value. And I I open it up, and it's like right at the water level, and I'm pulling out papers, and just like the bottom of the paper was just getting damp. So like oh 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 oh, I I came outside, and they were like over the top happy, like super simple things. Um, but yeah, other than water, there was zero damage to the basement. Um, well, that goes back and, to the you know. Some guys are always like, well, what do we really save? They're just going to tear the house down. And it's like, well, nah. you know, like aggressive fire attack. Because that was what we did. We did an aggressive interior mm-hmm. attack. Like we saved half the structure. Because even when sure. uh, 12 guys came up, they're like, holy crap. Like if you go on the other side of this house, it, it doesn't mean that it was on fire. Other than a broken window where you guys BIS'd. Mm-hmm. Like it was totally untouched. because, And that's all goes back to just aggressive, good, solid aggressive fire attack. Because, you know, basically we cut the building in half by doing that. Because when we first pushed in, you know, Kevin was obviously not just sitting there on the nozzle. He was spraying water. He was holding it back. And when we pulled out, we reinserted ourselves on the other side and basically pushed through and cut that cut that line, right? Um, and then, you yeah. know, other than if we if we would have if we wouldn't have pushed up into the attic, we would have burnt the whole roof off the top. So, you know, Grant and yeah. um, Kevin they they asked me how far they wanted me to, or because I was captain with them, and as they're going in, they're like, "How far do you want us to go?" I said, "As far as you guys feel comfortable, because you guys know what you're doing." So. They felt comfortable to go up the stairs and push all the way up and knock it down. So good, good for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you nailed it. That's where that aggressive fire attack pays off huge, and also into the salvage and overall, right? Like, it's such an important job, and everybody thinks it's, it's just the the miner just pulling shit down looking for extension. But you know, being able to find those those special items like the the papers and just some clothing, uh, personal valuables is, is huge to the, the people that it's actually affected. So that's a, that's a definite win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like the, the other major thing there 
um, about Todd's guys um, chatting with Tyson. He says when they first pulled pulled up on scene, they're like, "Well, this is a surrounding ground." It's because the picture of what they seen from the alpha side didn't look like we should really be making the push in there. But once you do the three sixty, that tells the full the full story. So, um, you know, like as I see as as command, you know, that is a solid a solid reminder. You do your windshield survey. But don't make a call until you get the full picture. Um, if if we would have said, "Hey guys, we're 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 going to go defensive on that structure," that would have been a huge disservice to like what we're what we should be doing there. Um, I mean, and there could have been a time in quote the old days that that would have been the move. Um, but that super aggressive attack, getting that water on it quickly before you guys made a push in, get that fire clock reset, allowing, you know, you guys time to make that, that push. Um, like Scott said, it, it cut that fire in half, kept it to uh, the Alpha Bravo and then up, up into the roof structure, made it a huge amount of salvageable items um, coming out of that, that house. I mean, everything in that, that front living room on the Delta side, I mean, you can clean it. It's, it's good. Like all of that old era specific, Shit, yeah, that's that that's all cleanable. Yeah, absolutely. Which is crazy because that even that was uh, what that was open, like that was all open yeah. like, concept stuff, right? It was like there was nothing mm-hmm. stopping it from going from that room to, to that hallway, um, other than um, other than probably legacy stuff and the fact that we aggressively pushed in, and we mm-hmm. and that's what as the guys pushed in, they knocked it back going down the hallway, which which pushed into that kind of that other living room area that was fully that was fully involved. Um, yeah. Because at one point, I think it, uh, as I was getting putting my mask back on after talking to the command, um, somewhat uh, the safety officer said, "Hey, I think it just flashed over inside that living room." Mm-hmm. So I grabbed another hose, went in there, and yeah, it was it was rocking pretty good in that living room. So I knocked it down, and mm-hmm. then got someone else to come and grab the hose for me. I I think I actually used the um, our door control guy because he was close enough to the because it's kind of weird because like, he was he was controlling the door, watching the fan, but he was also able to like see the fire uh, in that one living room. So he's kind of like. Right he was kind of acting as kind of like a guard for us to make sure that wasn't going to go up behind us. So he was holding it back there with them, with the nozzles. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, when I was going through, cause obviously I, I got to detach a bit cause, uh, you know, the guys were doing the push and stuff, but it's like everything we were doing. And a couple of times I just reminded the guys like, Hey, just like we trained to do this, just like we trained to do that. Um, but it was like, they were doing so good. Like everything, all the training we do, I could just see bits of it mm-hmm. being put in. Like it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be exactly. Every fire is different, right? Yeah. Um, but the way they were doing it, I could see there was enough from our all of our training we do interspersed in there. I was like, yeah, this is good because, like you said, back in the old old days, it would have been probably would have got done. Maybe if we would have pushed in, it might have got done. But you know, probably some searching would have got missed. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of night and day now. It's good. Hmm. Well, even just back to like the overhaul, <clears throat> like being aggressive at overhaul is, is huge, right? Because especially that that style of home, all that vermiculite and that other crap, it's so hard to be chasing smoke, like you said, Ash. Or like, is that actually just smoke from something else that's traveling, or or is it actually smoldering away somewhere? And that takes so much time to start mm-hmm. plugging away at that stuff. So it's pretty challenging. But again, by being aggressive in that overhaul phase. Um, it just, it, it's, it pays off. Like you said, like yeah. back in the day, 
probably wouldn't have been. Probably would have been a bit more of a surround and drown and, and let it do its thing. And then you, you lose everything. So okay. with our new strategies and tactics that we all train on, it's, it's, it shows yeah. you right there what, why we do it. Like, look what you saved. Look what you're able to recover. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds like a, a good, good event. I missed it. I was uh, away out of the area up at the cabin. Came back and I saw my phone blowing up about the event that happened. <laughs> so I was a little bummed, but yeah, it sounds like you guys did uh, did great. It was a good good working fire. Well done. Yeah, one of our newer guys was on that fire. Um, he's one of the younger fellows, so he was stuck exterior ops, um, but got to kind of witness everything. And he had a chat with you, Scott, about like how how sweet structure fires are until they're not. <laughs> Yeah, I said the first 10, 15 minutes are badass, and then it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just yeah. a whole lot of hard work, a lot of like a lot of overhead work. And I haven't, I don't think I've went through six cylinders since I was first starting the fire service. But that's how many went I went through on that fire because you know, like, because mm-hmm. like Ash said, there was limited manpower because of the weekend. And yeah, being the long weekend was worse. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I think I did six cylinders. You know, I, I did a bunch of mop up and stuff too, but yeah, yeah. You guys were on the uh, truck that stayed, so like we were probably yeah. on on scene working like heavily for however many hours, and then we left a crew there, um, just just on Firewatch, which was Scott's team. Which we were heavily working the entire time. <laughs> it was sure. like we were chainsawing, and like you know, sometimes we're like, oh yeah, I mean, I maybe sorry, maybe for about fifteen minutes we stopped because we we're like, okay, we we knocked in a bunch of hot spots, and then we just wanted to. Let them see what happened, if there was a steam or not. So we went and sat in the truck for a while and then came back out mm-hmm. and we're like, yeah, there's some more. Yeah, it's like one of those things, like the last big thing we got, um, we were actually calling for more um, to do some swap outs because we thought we were going to be there for a few more hours. It was still smoking. Mm-hmm. And I finally, like, I'm like, ah, it's coming from this one wall. And I knocked it down. Like I knocked it. And we had taken ourselves off the hydrant by then. Um, so the hydrant <laughs> was still open, but we had got rid of our supply line because we were just, you know, spraying water here and there. And Robin actually said, oh, he goes, I'm running a little low in water. I'm going to go fill up. So I'm like, okay. As he's doing that, I'm kind of out exterior. I got a big pipe pulling. I'm poking at this wall. And next thing I'm like, I kind of open this hole up in the wall. And more smoke starts coming. I open up a little bit more. And next thing I see sparks. I'm like, hmm. So Rob is filling up. I'm like, next thing now the fire. <laughs> now I see flame. I'm like, oh. Okay, I just opened up the fire. <laughs> Start the fire back up again. Um, so then yeah, Rob came over with the truck. And we knocked it down. But that was. You know, it was almost full full of rock in that one in that one wall again. I'm like, God damn it. So but then probably I wanna say like fifteen minutes went by. Um it looked really bad for a while and then fifteen minutes went by and after that that was the last little whiff of smoke and it was done. So it's kinda that's crazy. Was that? that? I mean, that's the problem with that plaster. It takes so long to break through it too. And yeah. uh, start investigating to see where it's traveled to. Well, God this is that it's this is that sawdust stuff too, Vernon, right? So yeah. I guess one little ember in there and it's dry from, you know, being in there for a hundred years and it just starts mm. going. And then you get some yeah. air and it starts really going. So, yeah. Yeah. Pretty exhausting work. I know definitely if, uh, if you raise your hand for that overnight watch crew, usually, usually yeah. you're working pretty hard for a while. Well, I knew yeah. I was going away for a month. So I'm like, ah, I can put my time in because I won't be <laughs> here. So that's right. Yeah. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> I was regretting every minute of it after a while. Because <laughs> even when you're not in there working, you're, you know, you got your pack on for writ. So you're like, you're still lugging this pack around. And it's like, 
yeah, my, my arms, my shoulders were like killing me <laughs> for the last few, the few days afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Good. All right. Uh, any more on that one, you guys? No. All right. So let's uh, pivot over to uh, you guys had a good uh, rollover uh, the other day with uh, not our classic uh, family vehicle rollover. This was a cement truck. Yeah, that was it was pretty interesting. So first call of the year. That's right. right? Last yeah. call of the year is crazy. First call yep. of the year is crazy. Mm-hmm. So it was New Year's Eve on that day and then New Year's Day or whatever uh, for the uh, rollover. So call comes in, um, rollover uh, with entrapment, and it gives us the address, which is a like quite a residential area. And then it updates. It's a semi truck. Updates. It's a cement truck. Okay, like what the heck is a big cement truck, and how does it roll over? So, like Scott, we, we've we were chat, chatting afterwards. We've done some training in the area, and we've trained vehicle over embankment down this this one hill. And I'm like, oh shoot, did this thing roll roll down this big this big hill? I start looking at the mapping. I'm like, oh no, it's like pretty close to like one of the main intersections over there. So I'm trying to wrap my head around this as I'm getting to the hall, getting in the rescue truck, and uh, Adam was going uh, direct to BIC. Uh, he gets on scene, and he relays back, yeah, it's a, a cement truck um, on its side, person uh, pinned inside, so uh, confirmed ex- extrication required. Ended up just taking a corner too hot. Uh, did a bit of a soft roll, but I mean, with all that weight, it's not that soft soft of a rollover. Um, so he gave us the update of, of what we, of what we had. Um, so it was a, a loaded cement truck going to make a dump. Ended up like two blocks shy of its ending uh, destination. Um, so Adam got the scene safe for us, got everybody back. We got ourselves there in the rescue truck. And as soon as I got off the truck, I'm looking and there's a lot of liquid pouring out. And some of it was mixing with oil. So I wasn't quite sure, is this water? Is this gas that's mi- mixing with oil? So immediately fire, fire suppression uh, was on my mind. So we got a hose line stretched out. Um, did a closer investigation. It was oil mixing with water. So being a dump truck, they've got that little um, like pony tank at, at the front of it filled up with water for like rinsing out and shit. Um, but it's still going to be containment. Um, this is a little bit more than just a couple uh, piss, piss cans for uh, fire fire suppression. So I got I got the one guy to continue getting that uh, hose line flaked out. Um, sent uh, Josiah in on patient contact right away. Uh, He does really, really good with stuff like that. He's definitely kind of found a bit of his niche. Um, So he got himself in there right away. Um, Adam and I had a face-to-face. Adam had a plan on kind of like starting easy. Like, hey, like let's try just busting out the back window and seeing if we can lower down the seat. Uh, Because when we got up close to him, on the rollover, the seat kind of bent itself forward a bit, and then his legs were pinned under the steering wheel. So that was really the only injury. So, like, the truck fell over on its side, and it was, like, a little more than sideways. It was kind of, like, cab down. Just So he was kind of upside down, hanging by, by his legs um, up against the door and the roof. Um, 
and yeah, the, the steering wheel was just like digging into his legs. So he couldn't get himself out. He had feeling everywhere. He had movement everywhere. There was no like cut scrapes. He had like, there was no other pain. He's like, just like hurts like a bastard because the wheel's digging into my, my, my legs and mm-hmm. I can't get myself out. Like it doesn't matter how hard I, I try to wiggle. I can't get out. So we said, just okay. Hmm? Just stuck. Yeah, stuck. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's like fuck. I'm like, what? It was was the thing. Was it full of cement? It was full, full of cement. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, Adam's like, Kate, let's just see if we can't reach in there. It wasn't going anywhere. Like that's the beauty of the way it rolled over the drum, wedged itself against the, the sidewalk edging. Um, like it wasn't moving anywhere from where it sat. Yeah. So like the back half of the vehicle was definitely stuck. Um, yeah. So as the easy stuff starts to happen, all right, let's take out that back, back window. Let's get some soft pro over top of uh, the patient. We'll bust out the glass and just see if we can reach through and lower the seat. Cause if we could do something that simple, let's, let's not, make a mount, mountain out of a molehill here um so as they're doing that i'm like hey guys we're, we're we're starting easy by that time the second truck got there i'm like kate let's like shut down the road i want this thing as bomb proof as possible let's get step step trucks everywhere around the backside. let's get our our uh, uh v struts on the front half of the chassis so directly in, in front of the drum we had one of the struts set up and then again on um the front side of the uh, cab uh, up at the, or up at the uh, firewall side, uh, we got another strut set up. Uh, just knowing the drum side is not about to move, but if we're going to do anything to the cab, I wanted it as secure as possible front and back of the cab. Um, team went in, took out the glass, reached in, couldn't quite get to um, the switch to lower the seat. Uh, so I quickly grabbed uh, the uh, rescue pouch um, from Modus there, grabbed a set of cutters, ha- handed them off, and said, just cut the fucking cable, or just cut the uh, uh, the airlines. If you remove air from the seat, it's just going to drop itself down. But it was so wedged, and there was, like, just pressure on it, it wouldn't drop itself down, okay? So I said to Adam, like, hey, I'm going to pivot. Like, let's just get this roof out of the way. Let's get ourselves in there, and then let's remove the steering wheel, Um like bottom ring from the steering wheel hub. He's like, okay, done. So by that time we had a tool cache set up and we got the team going on that. Ended up doing a roof flap, got got that completely out of the way. Um yeah, and then got out our handheld hydraulic uh pedal cutters, used that to cut out the wheel. Um just made that little bit of extra space and like we're about to get a you know a spine board in there, blah blah blah. This guy's like, nope, I'm out. Pulls, pulls his legs out quickly, pops out, and he walks himself out. We're like, hey, wait, wait, wait. And he was al- already, you know, stood up and walked himself out of there. So he had zero injuries. Um, I was worried about, you know, the whole cr- crush injury being, you know, pinned in there for as, as as long as he was. And at the very tail end, he said he was starting to lose a little bit of feeling in his feet. Um, so, like, in the back of my mind, I was already like, how heavy is this? Like, how much pain is he in? Should we be worrying about trying to maybe, like, should we be applying uh, a tourniquet to his legs? Because um, if it's if it's cutting off circulation, we don't want to be allowing all of that, you know, shitty blood to be flowing back back up. But uh, 
he didn't give us the op- the opportunity to do it. The moment the wheel was out of there, he pops himself straight up, and now he's standing up in the cab. I'm like, well, we're we're where we're where we are now. We might as well walk out. Well, <laughs> so we just if, walk- he just there, if he was just starting to lose circulation, I guess he'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, good, yeah. good thought process though, right? Because yeah, that's what mm-hmm. we always talk about. Yeah, yeah, we always talk about that, you know, that that um, possibility of uh, low compartment syndrome of being being a, a crush and, and then applying the tourniquets before it's released. Mm-hmm. Released, however, you know, like you said, if he if he was moving that freely, uh, probably not not that big of a deal. And the time frame yeah. was definitely in your favor too. But yeah, yeah it's awesome to be thinking that way. Mm-hmm. I find that um, the Homacho pedal cutter. When it comes to the steering wheel, it works so good, yeah. and that's about it. I don't. Yeah, I've never seen a pedal. No, it, nope. it's other than training. <laughs> no, other than only in training, uh, and the pedal stuff. Usually, you can bend it out of the way or use sawzall and stuff. Just because I find it's a little bit bulky and it's kind of hard to, to fit it in if you have a true, you know, kind of compartmentized area around that feet. It's pretty challenging, but. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that's uh, that's two for two that are, we are able to pop out really easy. Like that embankment one that was the lady was stuck. She yeah. popped up really well. The one you mm-hmm. guys missed. Yeah. 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 You know, it's we actually came came back and it was the first practice of the year. Um, knowing that pe- people are still on uh, holiday, we had a pretty light um, ha- hands-on ver- you know version of practice. So we took the time to go over and do a nice round table on both of those calls. Cause they, like both of them were, were pretty technical. Um, like all of the tactics were like bread and butter stuff, but being a legacy home 15 minutes away before the first truck got there. Cause it was one street shy of the end of our, our, uh, you know, coverage area. Like it's a long ways away. Um, and then like with the length of the call and everything else that goes along with it, um, yeah, like a lot of bread and butter tactics, but uh, still like pretty tech, pretty damn techy at the end of the day. And then if that was a pickup truck that rolled over, that's your bread and butter. Like, hey, we're gonna do a quick roof flap. Let's get let's get the guy out of there. Let's you know remove the vehicle from the patient rather than the patient from the vehicle. And that was the mindset going into it. And um, I, I kind of like tipped my hat to Matt and his river rescue mentality, saying like, hey, like let's start with the easiest and then build our plan and go bigger and bigger. And when you get on scene, it's something like grand, like a semi truck, cement truck. Um, You know, like it takes a second for your mind to shift and be like, this is bigger than we're used to, but the tactics will all be the same. So just slow it down. And I I think that was the biggest thing. Like Adam and I kind of pulled ourselves aside and, um, I don't want to say people were like panicking, but there was probably 30 people came around the scene and they were crowding us because there was, uh, it's right next door to a, uh, like a senior's living complex where there's however many houses in there. There's a shit ton, like 40 some odd houses. Um, And there was a fence line next to the, the, you know, to the sidewalk. um, And it's, shared space behind there so everybody that heard anything is walking out and they're all trying to crowd around the scene and we're trying to keep keep them back um it was very it was just a busy scene um and the guy's in there he's not happy like he's 
he's wants to be out and he's letting us know that he wants to be out. He was really, really good to us, the uh, patient, but he still wanted to get his ass out of there as fast as possible. Um, so like people were, were elevated. I would say like all, all of our crew was very elevated and wanted to make it happen. Um, so Adam and I pulled ourselves aside uh, and we just had a, a fit, you know, 15 second. We're like, Hey man, idea one isn't working, but slow it down. And let's just make it happen. The safest thing that we can do is make that space big so we can go in there and access the patient. Whether we're going to go in there, you know, what once that, that roof is all is is often flapped, if we're going to be cutting the seat, if we're going to be cutting the wheel, let's just make that that workspace and slow this down and just like, you know, steps, you know, step by step. First thing, let's make space. Second thing, let's go to the steering wheel. If that doesn't work, let's go to the seat. And luckily enough, the steering wheel was enough to, to you know, gain us access. And we, we had him pop, popped out in minutes. I would say, like, the actual rescue, like, once we got to the cab, probably only took us 10 minutes, maybe, give or take, 15 on, like, on the high side. We were on scene for an hour from start, start to finish. But um, I don't want to say we, we wasted time, but we, we probably... From getting on scene to shifting gears probably took us the better part of like eight to ten minutes, and then once we shifted gears and went with like the full roof flap, wasn't an additional ten, but it was really fast. Um, and like the guy was was pumped. He's like, "You guys had somebody with me right away." Was chatting me through everything, every cut, pop, glass smash. We were um, like talking him through it so he knew what 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 to expect um always checking on um his pain level his feeling kept it you know hey can you still move your uh, feet show us yes what like you know what are you feeling has has anything changed and at the very mm-hmm. tail end of the call he started to say like i'm starting to not be able to feel my feet in my boots so that that was like the very the very end of it and like we were already about ready to cut the second side of the wheel so that didn't really you know impact the stress level because we were already ready to pull pull them out so yeah big big kudos to the crew on both of those 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 calls people acted and worked crazy professionally like like scott was saying it's nice to be able to kind of stand back and like watch what our training is doing once we go like real life um I was super hands off on that rollover. Um, Adam kind of gave me the reins for the actual rescue side of it, and just kind of being that that guy that was, you know, old, like just I'd say watching over everybody, uh, giving little tidbits of guidance. But once I gave gave everybody direction, they were fucking flawless. Yeah, that's perfect, and that's like you said, it it just shows back to that detached style, right? And everything that you train just falls into place. And that was the first thing I was thinking of too. When I saw the picture of that, of that uh, cement truck was, was, Oh man, right away. This isn't our normal. It's a massive rollover, massive vehicle, a lot of weight, a lot of issues. So what are we going to do to stabilize? But once you start slowing down and stepping back, it was pretty bulletproof as it was. So uh-huh. your stabilization at the cab side. Um, and then like you said, just, you just walk through it and work your way through it. And I got to give uh, Josiah props for um, like, I've been on a few calls now as a medic when he's been there and having him there just 
communicating it to the patients has been fantastic. He does such a good job at relaying the information to the patients of, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. Any changes is reevaluating, reassessing that patient and uh, relaying that information back out to the outside crew. He's done a really good job. And that just pays off having that patient reiterate how well everything was communicated. So yeah, that's really well done. Uh-huh. Awesome. Um, well, if there's not anything more, why don't we get into some shout outs? Um, Ash, why don't we start with Modus? Yep. Uh, Modus, um, I was just chatting about their, um, their auto X pouch. Uh, we were using that on the rollover there. Um, Scott was doing some structure for everything in the uh, X gloves. Uh, I wore mine. I mean, basically once I went in carrier, um, after the first push, I was wearing mine for mop up. They are awesome gloves for mop up, but their, their main focus obviously is going to be auto X. Um, and then, uh, we've got their, uh, yeah, boom. We got their snagger tool. Um, we've got, uh, other textile pouches that we're using for our hydrant kit. Uh, Todd, you guys just got a bunch of them coming. Uh, we sent one of ours down just so Todd's crew can have a, a peek at them, and it's going to work out great for uh, what you guys want to use them for. Uh, so, yeah, tons and tons and tons of kit. Um, force entry, soft soft entry, the snagger, uh, textiles. Uh, check them out online. Uh, if you like what you see, which you should, use discount code DTFF5 for 5% off. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, uh, the modus utility bag, uh, we just ordered six of them. Um, so we have a new rescue truck that we're putting into service here, hopefully this uh, week coming up. Um, so we're placing everything in. we're changing some of our, um, uh, chain attachments for our rescue 42s and our straps and stuff. So yeah, we're, we're making those kits. It's a, uh, 15 inch by 10 and a half by eight inch utility bag, super strong bag. It's fantastic. It's got tool drops inside if you need it as well. So it fits all of our stuff ideally. So we're going to have um, kind of a bag uh, per strut uh, for a team, for a strut team. And then uh, uh, all the extra tips for the 42s is fitting in one bag as well. So really pumped to get that in the mail here and put that into the, into the truck into service right away as soon as they arrive. And then also Paul from Modus, he's sending the new X pouch with that as well. So we'll get that into motion and get that um, uh, utilized as well. So looking forward to that. Sweet. Um, uh, Stop the Bleed, Scott. Yeah, Stop the Bleed. Uh, One of the things I'm doing while I'm down here, I taught Stop the Bleed on Friday. Um, So I went over the whole course. I haven't taught a whole course in a while. It was good to remind myself of things. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, basically, it comes down to three methods of bleeding control, uh, direct pressure, uh, wound packing, and tourniquet application. If you're going to use a tourniquet, use a good one. So uh, we're using the CATS here, um, obviously uh, soft tee, wide, and then a number of other ones. But um, yeah, if you want to get trained on it, go to stopthebleed.org and check it out. Give an instructor and uh, be able to teach it to people. Excellent. And also check out our YouTube for uh, some of the Stop the Bleed uh, uh, products and courses that or the uh, adjuncts in the course that we've shown as well. Um, Wolf Tree Coffee. Ash. Yeah, Wolf Tree. I uh, was actually at their roastery today. Um, ran into uh, uh, the Wolf Tree team. Um, ended up having having a quick uh, beverage over at their place today. Uh, just kind of you know winding up the tail end of the, ho- the old holiday season. Uh, those lucky buggers are on their way to Mexico next week. 
So if you want your coffee order, get them in now. Uh, they're doing a big, big push on roasting. Um, they just had uh, um, a group come through for a private tasting, and uh, the initial attack blend was uh, what actually got them pumped on coming there. I, I guess this uh, team that was coming through was they're big on charity um, and heard that they're doing the um, two bucks of every uh, pound sold goes to um, the Honor House uh, Society for Honor House and Honor Ranch. Uh, so that that kind of like hit hit the mark for them. Came and tested it and loved the uh, the initial attack blend as well as uh, a bunch of their other. They have tons of blends that they have on on the go. The WTF uh, uh, blend is uh, really really good. Uh, what is it, whiskey? Whiskey Then Fire or something? I, I forget what it is. It's a, a combo b- between them and the Firehall Brewery. Um, really, really cool. Um, they have they have a couple collabs, which is really, really sweet. But uh, yeah, check them out. Wolf Tree Coffee. Um, like, like I just mentioned, two bucks from every sale of our blend that we did a collab with them goes to the Honor House Society. So check them out and get your order in because they're going to be gone for a couple weeks here coming up. Excellent. Uh, Scott, Tanner Olson. Yeah, I'm just trying to see if is... trying to see if his tours, any of his stuff is up and it's not. Um, yeah, Tanner Olson, country music out of Nashville, I guess now. Um, not not yep. West, well, originally they're West Coast of Canada. They basically moved to Nashville a little while ago, and that's where they are. Um, sounds like they're putting out some new music soon. But, Lots of uh, live shows out there, too. What was that? Lots of live shows there. Yeah, they actually just had one here uh, around New Year's up here. Okay. I missed it, though, but yeah. Yeah, so I think they're back down in Nashville. So, yeah, check them on Spotify or anywhere else you get your music. Excellent. And, of course, you have us. So you can find us on the Facebook, uh, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Um, And, of course, we have our shirt sales as well, our uh, DTFF uh, moose shirts. Uh, You can go on our Facebook, and there's a link to that as well. It's the DTFF store. Um, dot com. So please uh, check that out, and if you want a shirt, send us a message and click that link, and we'll uh, get one out to you. Yeah, let's try and sell some more of those shirts. We still have a few left, so we'd love love to get them out. We love seeing uh, some of the photos from our listeners, uh, sending them in with uh, them out in the out in the wild, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that is about it from us. Uh, Ash, what any more? <laughs> What's that? It was, what are you doing over there? Me? Yeah. Oh, I'm moving because I'm sitting oh. in this bed and the laptop's literally on my lap. All I can see is... <laughs> anyway, all right. Any more for any more? I'm all good. Thank you. And Scott. Good night. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, stay safe. Stay DTFF. Good night. Good night.